It's kind of scary when you ask the pastor how long you're supposed to go, and he said, go as long as you want. Go to 5 o'clock if you want. I've been in some nations where you speak till 5 o'clock, and they say, we want more, and you're going, I don't know if I can, if I can listen to the preacher that long. It's been an honor and a privilege to be here. I hope you know that Americans love Canadians. I hope you know Americans love Canadians. We are honored and privileged to be in your great nation, and uh, God has been so good. We are so thankful to Pastor Bruce and Marlene Morrison for being so gracious and kind, and uh, Father John Rodham has been a friend of mine for many, many years in the Seattle area, and we've uh, help build some networks down there and some different things together. And it's just an honor and privilege to be here. Also, Dr. Eddie Lawrence is a dear friend of mine. I've spoken in his church in Florence, Alabama a number of times, and he's been up to our church, and we've traveled and done things together. It's just exciting what God's doing all around the world. Every high thing shall come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. He wears the victor's crown. He's overcome. He's overcome, and because he's overcome, we overcome. This morning, I'm going to share something that's been on my heart. The Lord spoke to me when I first heard about this trip and said, on Sunday morning, you're going to be in Bruce's church, which I didn't know I was going to be in his church, and said, I want you to share one of your life messages. I preached this the first time in Dr. Eddie Lawrence's church, and it set me on a journey. It's been a journey I've been on now for a number of years. And God sent me all the way here from Everett, Washington, about a 10-minute walk from the Boeing plant in Everett, where our church is, an office warehouse complex. And I send you greetings from my wife, Terry. She's also taught elementary school for over 35 years. And we have three beautiful children, John, David, and Anna. David and Anna are 37-year-old twins that we didn't find out they were twins until David was born. And the doctor said, there's another baby in there. And we were like, what? He was more shocked than we were. We were shocked because John, our oldest son, who's now the senior pastor at Sunrise Christian Center, where I was the, uh, started as a church plant and uh, grew in from being a church plant into a church, into an apostolic center in the Northwest. And uh, one of the things that we've tried to champion is building a servant leadership model of the fivefold ministry of that, that leaders should be there to serve people, not to lord it over people or dominate people or control people, but to equip and empower people to do what God's called them to do. So we love to we love to build people up in the marketplace. We love to build people up and we say we're here to release you to do what you're supposed to do. Uh, not ask you, we're, we're going to be under you lifting you up. We're not going to be over you pushing you down. We're going to be underneath you lifting you up in the way that God wants you to be lifted up. So we built a model. My son, John, is now the senior pastor. He'll be in, uh, it's only 7.10 at home in the morning, so you're four hours ahead of us. You're, you're way ahead of us. You're way them, probably more than four hours ahead of us. You're probably years ahead of us in a lot of ways. Uh, and he'll be speaking. And then we have six grandchildren now, so I got a Toyota van so I could take my wife and all my six grandkids on a road trip, and we have lots of fun. We sugar them up real good for their parents before we give them back home. And they go, Papa, you're not supposed to do that. I go, this is how Papa rolls. You're going to have pancakes and waffles. I'm going to give you back to your parents. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's all right. Don't, some of the young, the young parents are looking at me like, are you one of them kind of grandpas? Yeah. I better pray before I get us all in trouble. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your incredible, awesome presence 
in this place. I thank you for the people of God. And Father, you've sent me here to declare a message that you've so woven into my heart that you gave me a book and a devotional. and It's gone all around the world and people have got saved reading it because, God, your goodness is so good. Your goodness is so good and I pray you'd release your goodness through this people. Lord, I wonder if the problem in the world is not that there's so much evil, but there's not enough of your goodness that has been seen and received and released in the earth. And you're waiting to raise up a people that will be so filled with your goodness. They'll be, Lord, overwhelmed with your goodness. They'll be overtaken by your goodness, and they'll be overcomers by your goodness. Lord, we overcome evil by doing good. We don't overcome evil by telling people how evil evil is. We overcome evil by walking into the midst of evil and releasing your goodness everywhere we go. And I thank you that William Wilberforce had it right when the moniker of over the 70 philanthropic things that he did in his lifetime, besides abolishing slavery, besides, Lord, abolishing uh, child labor, Lord, there was over 70 things he championed, Lord, in the position you placed him in, in the nation of England and how it affected the world. And Lord, the moniker he said over his life was, let's make goodness fashionable. And God, I pray the people in this place, Lord, even through this week, if they're going to see a shift, it's going to be the shift of releasing the goodness of God throughout this land, throughout the nations, Lord. And I pray that you would fill us with your goodness, Lord. And Lord, you'd take us on a journey in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the Lord sent me all the way here to New Glasgow, to your church, to let you know that God's not as good as you think he is. He's way, way gooder. <laughs> I know gooder isn't proper English, but God's way bigger than the English language. He's gooder than you think he is. We say things like, God is good. And what does everybody say? All and all the time. I, I thought you probably did that in Canada too. But you know what? God said, you don't really realize how good I am. He said, for the next number of years, I'm going to overwhelm you with my goodness. He said, you're going to be overtaken with my goodness. And he said, I want to let you know right now, you better get over yourself. He said, because usually when I pour out my goodness on people, they get religious. They get, well, oh God, I don't want people to think that you're blessing me more than others. He said, they limit and stifle my goodness by their own concern of what people will think about them. And he said, I'm going to release my goodness over you, through you. I'm going to begin to show you and show you and reveal to you by the Holy Spirit my goodness. I'm going to overwhelm you with my goodness. I'm going to overtake you with my goodness. Because the only way evil is going to be thwarted is by my goodness. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 21, verse, verses 1 to 4. We'll start there and we're going to go through the scriptures a lot. You can just mark them down and probably look them up later, but I'll speak them. They become a part of my life. The psalmist David said, The king shall joy in your strength, O Lord, and in your salvation how greatly shall he rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips, Selah. For you meet him with the blessings of goodness. You set a pure crown of gold upon his head. He asked life from you, and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. And the Lord spoke to me through this verse when I started this journey. And he said, Dan, every day I'm going to have a meeting with you. We're going to start the morning and I'm going to meet you 
with the blessings of my goodness. He said, when you have staff meetings, you're not going to come in and talk about all the problems and what's wrong with the church, but you're going to come in and give goodness reports of my goodness. You're going to begin to declare my goodness. I have good news. I have good gifts. He even told me I could be a quality control inspector. And I started to inspect all his works. And you know what? I couldn't find anything that wasn't full of goodness. And you know what? We don't let people know how good God is. God's way gooder than you think he is. And I began to say, God, how am I going to understand the blessings of your goodness? And he goes to Deuteronomy 28, and I began to look at Deuteronomy 28, and I began to declare it over my children, to declare it over my family. It says, if we will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord our God, if we will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord our God, it says that he will make us high above the nations. It says that he will overtake us with, a, with his goodness. He said that we would be blessed in the city, we'd be blessed in the country. He'd bless the fruit of our body, and he'd bless the works of our hands. He'd bless our kneading bowls and our baskets. He'd bless us when we come in, and he'd bless us when we go out. He would bless us with all that we put our hand to. He would also establish us as a people. He would cause all kinds of things. We'd lend to nations and not borrow. He'd bless our fruit. He'd bless our land. He'd make us the head, not the tail. And when the enemy came in one way, he would cause the enemy to flee sevenfold ways. And I began to declare that over my family. And I began to challenge people to declare the blessings of the Lord. They studied Jewish families. And they said, why are Jewish families blessed beyond all the families of the earth? And they found one thing in a good Jewish home. One time a week, the father will lay his hands on his children and bless them. Every time we go on vacation, we always have one vacation where I take my family of 13 now, my daughter and her husband and my two sons and their daughters and our grandchildren. And we take every vacation, we set one side a day where all we do is we lay hands and make it the focus of the day. I lay hands on every one of my children, starting from the youngest all the way up to my wife. And then they play, pray a blessing over me. And even the little children that are wiggly. As soon as we start, they sit there. And when they come up, they kneel down and they go like this. And they often put my hand on their head. And they will never forget that you're releasing blessings. Fathers, how often are you laying hands on your children and blessing your children? Mothers, how long are you laying hands on your children? You know, even wiggly kids, they understand this is the presence of God. And I've spoken blessings over my sons and over my daughters. And I've spoken blessings over my grandchildren. And it's amazing what happens when you realize how good God is. The word goodness is the word agathosune in the Greek language. And it means this. It means to have goodness benevolence, virtue. And it comes from a root word that means an intrinsic goodness, not a rather an outward show, but an intrinsic goodness within your heart that releases itself in good works. And the psalmist said in Psalm 16, O oh my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. And I always tell people I was a drug addict and alcoholic at 21. I had two nervous breakdowns. My dad was a world-renowned psychologist, and he couldn't help me, but I came to Jesus, and Jesus delivered me. And I tell people, if you see anything good in me, the only reason you see good in me, my goodness is nothing apart from him. Any good thing you see in me is because of him. And I was a wicked, foul, dirty, evil sinner that Jesus had mercy on. He gave me over to a reprobate mind and he changed my mind. 
And when people say, you, you wouldn't understand me, Pastor, you're, you're a man of God, and you, know, you haven't gone through problems like I have. And I said, no, I was just a drug addict and alcoholic. Sometimes when they don't think I can understand where they're at, usually I start to tell them about my past life, and I say, I know a person that could maybe help you. And they go, well, Pastor, you can help me, but that guy could really help me. And I said, well, that's me. I had nervous breakdowns. My mother died when I was six years old in a tragic car accident. I didn't have a mother growing up. Well, then I got three stepmothers. The three stepmothers were my dad's worst patients. <laughs> One woman had ten children, so I had ten stepbrothers and sisters. I grew up in uh, three blended families, actually four blended families, because my mother was married before she married my dad. I didn't find out until I was 16. My older brother was my half-brother. Went through drug addictions, went through all types of things. You know what? Jesus set me free. And I said, if Jesus can set me free, he can set you free. He can set your sons and your daughters free. And I look at people and say, you don't understand, Pastor, I'm a mess. And I say, you don't understand, I was a mess. Jesus takes messes and he cleans them up. And he changes them and transforms them and he releases his goodness through their lives. God is so good and he began to teach me some things. He said, Dan, if my people can't see my goodness, they can't receive my goodness. And if they can't receive my goodness, they can't release my goodness. He said, it's a principle. He said, I want you to begin to show people how to see my goodness. And he sent me on a journey. See, first of all, we can see God's goodness. We find in Genesis 1.31, the Bible, we can see God's goodness in creation. Look all around creation. You live in one of the most beautiful places in the world in the Maritimes. I can't wait to drive on the coastlines this week. I've heard all about my wife was a little bit jealous, except she's going with three of her girlfriends down to the... Um, Maine, Massachusetts, Vermont, for one of their friends' 60th birthday. They're going to see all the colors. I said, we'll probably see more colors up here, sweetheart. And look at the beautiful creation. In Genesis 1.31, then God saw everything that he had made, indeed it was very good, so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. When God got done making everything he made, he said, that's good. Everything that God made in creation, if you look around and see the mountains and you see the beauty and the sunrise and you see all types of things like that, you see the beautiful animals. You, I love to go to Africa on missions and see the giraffes and see the lions and see the different creation of God and what he created. But God's a wise God. There was one thing. He looked all around and said, it's all good. And he said, eh, Adam alone, a man alone on the planet. Mm, that's not good. <laughs> can you imagine a planet with no women isn't that a scary thought oh I don't even like to think about it he said everything was good but he said it's not good for Adam to be alone and all the men said amen and the women said louder amen that's going to be a terrible don't, don't even go there I shouldn't have had your minds go there it's seen in creation and, and in Psalm 33 5 says he loves righteousness and justice the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord See, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord, but we often look around the, around the world and we just see the things that are wrong. And What if we begin to tell the, the, the world that the, that, and, the, and the people that don't know Jesus, the world's full of the goodness of God. Let me show you what it looks like to see through God's eyes. And I'm not saying we discount that or that, but if, if we focus on all the evil and all the darkness, guess what? We tend to get attracted to it. What you focus on, you become. It was seen in creation. I mean, think about water. Have you ever thought about water? Which reminds me, I need a drink. You ever thought about water? You realize how incredible water is? It's one of the best things for thirst. The best thing for thirst. 
And the amazing thing is this water can dissolve minerals. This water can cleanse. It can cleanse your eye out. Sometimes people put stuff in. I say the best thing is just pour water into your eye. Water has a purifying effect. And water can absorb heat. Isn't that amazing? And water, it just does amazing things. And then it can even carry nutrients. This water can carry nutrients through your system. And God just made something so simple as water. He even used water to lead the woman at the well to Christ. And she went and he used a simple thing like water. God's so good, he can take something like water and have it cause the crops and have all the things grow. God is so wise. It's amazing what God does. And it was not only, we not only see in creation, but we see in Moses an amazing thing. I, I prayed for many years, God, I want to know your glory. And he goes, well, there's a precursor to my glory. And I said, a precursor? And he said, yes. He said, look in Exodus 33, verses 18 and 19. He said, Moses said, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And it also says that he let all of his goodness pass before the Lord. When Moses cried out and said, show me your glory, the first thing God did was cause all of his goodness to pass before him. I wonder what would happen if the Lord would just cause the church to meditate on how good he was and his goodness, and we let his goodness come before him. And I take Deuteronomy 28 often, and I just begin to declare it over my life. And I begin to say, Lord, I want to be overtaken with your goodness. I want to be laying in a ditch by the side of the road one day, and somebody's saying, what happened to you? And I'll just say, I was overtaken by the goodness of God. And he said, if, if my church doesn't see my goodness, they'll never see my glory in the way I want them to. So when God said to Moses, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let all my goodness pass before you. So every staff meeting we give goodness reports. Sometimes we take an hour just giving goodness reports of what God does. And it creates a culture. It creates an atmosphere. It creates something that allows God's glory to be manifest and be revealed. God's a good God. I said God's a good God. God's a good God. And God's way gooder than you think he is. And then I found something as I was studying goodness. I had this feeling every once in a while like something was creeping up on me. Ever that felt like something's creeping up from behind you? And then I realized he said in Psalm 23, 23 verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And all of a sudden, I found out that goodness kept sneaking up on me every day when I started to see it. It's kind of like, you know, you buy a car, and you don't think anybody has the car. And as soon as you buy a new one, and it's different, uh, all of a sudden, you start seeing all these cars everywhere that you never saw before. Because you never knew what they were. And as soon as you see it, you start to, you start to see them. You go, oh, boy, they got, a, they got a Toyota Sienna. And, oh, they got a Toyota Sienna. I didn't know all these people drew, drew, drove the same van that I drove. So I never had one. I had a cruddy old car. A few people drove, drove the cruddy old car I used to drive. Right? And all of a sudden, God's goodness started. And he said, Dan, I'm going to overwhelm you. One time he gave me four of my greatest desires in 24 hours. Do you know how overwhelming it was? I sat in my office and I wept through the whole day. A lady called me on the phone and I... He, the Lord said, today's the day I'm going to overwhelm you with my goodness. And I said, oh, God, you've already been overwhelming. He said, no, I'm going to overwhelm you with my goodness. A lady called on the phone and said, uh, Pastor, I called my accountant, and 
um, because of our business and stuff, I need to give away uh, uh, tens of thousands of dollars. And I'd like to ask the elders if, if, uh, if they would let me give some money and you could be sent to Israel with you and your wife and also the associate pastor's wife, I'd like to pay your way to Israel and pay all the expenses. Well, I had dreamed of 30 years of going to Israel. I never got to go. Now I've been there five times. I now lead tours into Israel. It all started with that first trip. I went with a Glow International. I went with about 600 ladies at the time. Now they have ladies and men. I've been involved with the Glow International for many, many years, and it's amazing what God does. And I was overwhelmed. Then he gave me two other things. And then, then there was one little thing I had always desired, and it was almost kind of like, you know, when God's given you a trip to Israel and given you two other incredible desires in 24 hours, God says, I'm going to overwhelm you. And I said, you've already overwhelmed me, God. He said, I'm not done yet. And I was sitting in my office, and I said, well, it seems so petty. I mean, I, I wanted that Derek Prince book that was written by Stephen Mansfield about his life story. And, I mean, you gave me a trip to Israel. You gave me two other, like, huge, I mean, huge just kind of things you're hoping will happen one day, all in 24 hours. I'm going, Lord, it almost seems so terrible to ask for something. And he goes, I'm going to overwhelm you. Quit being religious. Quit being worrying about it's all about you. It's about my goodness. Get out of my way. Don't hinder my goodness. Don't get in the way of my goodness. There's a knock on the door. Just as I'm praying that, thinking that, it's one of our deacons. He's going, hey, Pastor Danny, talk to you. He showed up at my church about 20 years ago. He sat in the doorway, didn't even come in and sit down. He told me he'd gone to a Baptist church for two years, was waiting for an altar call and someone to ask him for a Bible, to give him a Bible. They never had an altar call in that church in two years. He was sitting in the back. He had left his wife, was leaving, living with another woman. He was sitting in the doorway looking, and he said, at the end of the service, you said, I'd like you to receive Christ. I'm giving an altar call. If you come forward to receive Christ, what we like to do is give you a Bible, and then we like to, to, to take you through some steps to becoming a follower of Jesus. So he walked up and gave his life to Jesus. And he looked at me, and he goes, okay, I'm receiving Jesus. He gave me the Bible, but I'm not going back to my wife. What do you have to say about that? I said, Lord, what do you want me to say? I've, I've learned. I asked the Lord what he wants me to say because it's a lot better than what I would say. And I said, well, Marty, you know what? Did you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, yep. I said, then I'm not going to tell you what to do. Ask him what he thinks about it. He said, okay. Well, but I'm not going back to my wife. Walked off. So about three days later at 2.30 in the morning, the phone rings my, on my wife's side of the bed. That was strategic. Put on her side of the bed. She goes, a long-distance call from who? Marty Evans, she wakes me up and goes, do you know Marty Evans? Like, I don't, I don't know Marty Evans. I don't, I don't know who that is. And she goes, he's calling collect. And I, oh, I said, wait a minute, that's the guy that came forward on Sunday. And so she hands me the phone, two or three more. I'm, I'm still half asleep. And he goes, I, I said, hey, Marty, this is Pastor Dan. He goes, I knew you were going to make me do this. I go, what? He goes, I'm a truck driver. and I'm at a truck stop. He said, and I had a dream that I have to go back to my wife. And I, I knew you were going to tell me to go back to my wife. I said, Marty, I didn't tell you to go back to your wife. God gave you a dream. Jesus told you to go back to your wife. Yeah, and he said he's going to restore my marriage. I knew you were going to. I said, I didn't tell you that. Jesus told you that. Don't yell at me. 
And he goes, well, I don't know how to do that. I said, good, because he said he was going to restore your marriage. He goes, okay, thanks. And he hung up the phone. He got back with his wife. They've been deacons in our church for 20 years. And he's standing outside the door now when God's overwhelming with goodness. And he has a little paper bag. And I haven't clued in yet. He goes, Pastor, this seems really crazy. But he said, you know, I, I was at home and, and the Holy Spirit just kept bothering me. And I know this is going to seem probably really strange to you, but he said, you know, when Chuck Pierce came, you know, I always serve him when he comes to our church, he said. And, and he told me, hey, Marty, you go in and take whatever books you want. And I was, felt kind of funny. Well, I said, I don't, I don't want to take books. You know, people are paying. He said, no, you always serve and help and load my books up. He said, here, take this one, take this one. And he said, I read this one, and the Holy Spirit said I was supposed to give it to you. I said, okay. And so he left the book in the paper bag and walked out. Or he was getting ready to walk out the door, and I opened the bag, and it was Derek Prince's biography by Stephen Mansfield. I just started weeping. He goes, is, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. I'm being overtaken. And I told him the whole story about how I began to see God's goodness. And God, God just started, his goodness started to follow me everywhere I went. And I started looking for it. And all of a sudden, I, I can just kind of feel, I said, oh, God, your goodness is creeping up again. David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days. All the days. All the days. There's so many Christians, all they see is evil and darkness and what's wrong with everybody. And God's waiting for the church to see his goodness so they can receive it. If you can't see it, you can't receive it. People say, well, we walk by faith, not by sight. Yeah, but you're seeing something when you're walking by faith and not by sight in the spirit realm. Psalm 65, 11, you crown the year with your goodness and your past drip with abundance. And I find there's Christians that get bothered about abundance. I want to let you know God only does abundance. Can't help himself. That's all he does. I had, to get, I, had to, I had to shift my thinking about that too. He's the God of abundance. He wants to crown your, he wants you to receive so you have something to give away. And out of the goodness and out of abundance, you begin to see it. Then you have something to give to other people. And you become more and more generous, more and more kind-hearted. And some people say, well, that all sounds good. You're being really positive right now. I said, I know, but there's even a verse for you people. Like I was... Remember what David said? The Lord is my light and my salvation in Psalm 27. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And I could go down and quote the whole thing. But you get to verse 13. It's incredible. It's seen ahead in hope. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God wants us to see his goodness. Even in the future, you can begin to see the goodness that God is planning for you. David says, it looks really bad in my circumstances right now, but I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I've seen God come into evil, dark places that it looked like it was totally impossible. I've seen his goodness overwhelm people and overtake them and shift their circumstances upside down. Over and over and over and over and over. To some of the worst cases I've ever been around. I watched God put body parts in people and watch people get out of wheelchairs and watch blind eyes all of a sudden eyes grow in sockets. I've watched a toe grow on someone's foot. I've watched things that when people say, oh, do you believe in miracles? I said, of course I do. Have you ever seen a miracle? I've seen yes. And they said, how many? I said, thousands in the last 44 years. And every time it happens, I'm overwhelmed with how good God is to people. 
I said, don't make it a theology. It's, it's about, make it a theology if you have a right theology, but make it about people that are being healed and people that are being delivered and people that are being freed. The boy I prayed for an Indian, five years old, was born deaf and his ears open. Met him last year, 17 years old. He's been hearing for 12 years. He now runs their sound system in their church, the deaf boy. I've got to go back to many of the places I've been, and they've stayed healed. They've been delivered. And you know what? In the middle of hopeless situations, David said, I believe that I will see the goodness. See, when you begin to see the goodness of God, your life gets transformed. And I want you to ask God to say, God, give me a revelation. And God led me. I wrote a book about it. I wrote a 40 days devotional on it. And I started to get reports from people that they read it and they got saved. And they read it and they got healed. And it was kind of overwhelming. Matter of fact, Eddie Lawrence, after I spoke the first time, he said, Pastor Dan, he said, do you have that on CD? And I said, no. He goes, I know. You don't want to sell it. It's not about money. He said, do you realize how that message would affect people? He said, five or 600 people would have bought that in my church. It would have gone to people, and they would have got saved. And you could have resourced your next mission trip. I said, okay. And then his friend, that's a friend of mine, Leif Hetland, got a hold of it, and he's heard it, and he said, if you don't write a book, I'm going to steal your message, and I'm going to write a book. I said, would you do that, Leif? He said, I sure would, because you're going to write a book. And it seemed God, God into the hopeless situation David was in. He said, David said, I know I'm going to see the goodness of God. Looks bad right now, but guess what? This is a great opportunity for my goodness to show up. And it's seen in repentance. You know why you repented? In Romans 2, 4, it said it was the goodness and the kindness of God that led you to repent. When I was a drug addict and alcoholic, it was the goodness and kindness of God that my cousin had sent my grandparents the cross and the switchblade for them to get saved. They never read the book. And in the middle of my second nervous breakdown in Appleton, Wisconsin, thinking I'd go to my grandparents' house where I always found refuge, only saw them once in a while. And when the voice, the good voice, when I was in the middle of thinking I was going to die and told God, I, I don't want to live anymore if there's a God. I, just, I, can't, I can't take this. I can't tank the anxieties and the fears. I can't cry myself to sleep. I can't keep throwing up like this. I can't even be so overwhelmed. I can't work or talk to people. I would shut the shades down. They said I had agoraphobia. They said I was a paranoid schizophrenic. They said I would never get better. And I read that book and I got saved. I read that book and my life was transformed. And the amazing thing is, I found out after my mother, grandmother and my grandfather died, it was my cousin who sent the book for them to get saved and didn't think they got saved. Well, guess what happened? I led my grandmother at 92 years of age to Christ over the phone. And my 95-year-old grandfather was dying, and my father was in his 70s at the time, and he was going to go back. He was not saved. And I used to have a theology that an unsaved person could not lead an unsaved person to Christ, but God messed my head up. I said to my father, will you take this steps to peace with track, God? Will you give it to Grandpa? I will never ask you, Dad, to do one more favor if you just give this to Grandpa and read it for him and ask him to pray the prayer. And he said he would do it. He called me two days later. I told him, if you don't go back soon, he's going to die. I said, you have to go back, and he did. He called me crying and said, he said, son, my, my dad died, your grandpa died. And I said, dad, did you read him the track? He said, yes, I read him the track. And he prayed the prayer with me, and tears were running down grandpa's face, and he received Christ. And I said, God, how did my unsaved grandfather lead my, my unsaved father lead my unsaved grandfather? He said, with men, things are impossible. He said, but with God, nothing's impossible. God can use an unsaved person to lead an unsaved person to Christ. 
because he preached the word. He, he took the, the book. And then my father got saved right after that. So I got to tell my cousin, I got good news for you at the funeral. You sent the book and it didn't do what you thought it would do. It did way better. God's way gooder than you thought he was. That book not only got grandma and grandpa saved, it got me saved first and it got my dad saved. Thank God that you sent the book. And many times we think we failed and we're going to get to heaven and find out some little act of obedience might have brought thousands of people into the kingdom. One little contact, one little prayer, one little thing that you did pushed it over the edge and released God's goodness, that little obedience. Romans 11:22. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but towards you goodness, if you continue in his goodness. He not only wants us to see his goodness, he wants us to continue in his goodness. The gospel is good news. Somebody said, what's the gospel? It's simple. Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the good news. I was with Todd White once and goes into a store and he's with this guy and he, the guy's ahead of him and he, he just starts paying for the guy's stuff. The guy's going, what's the matter? This is my stuff. He goes, I know. He goes, why are you buying my stuff? He said, because God loves you. He goes, oh, you're going to be one of those guys preaching to me. He goes, I'm not preaching. I said, I'm just buying your stuff. He goes, no. He said, like, this, this is like, this is like my stuff. He goes, I know. The guy's getting really mad at him. <laughs> like, you're going to probably preach at me. I said, no, I'm just buying your stuff. He goes, he goes, he goes do you need more stuff? He said, it's really weird. This, this dude's like buying my stuff. And he said, oh, do you, he said, wait, so you got phone. Do you need something else? Oh, she, okay, go get this. Go get that. Go get that. I'm buying that stuff, too. So the guy comes back. He finds out as he's, he prays for him. The guy gets healed in the, in the line. And then he waits for him afterwards. And he finds out the guy's a guitar player. Well, there's a guitar center right by there. He says, hey, before I go home, dude, he said to see your girlfriend. I prayed for her. You're living with her, but God's going to change your life. He said, I want to go to the guitar center. And so the guy's in there, and he's like this, he's like this rock guitar player, and he's playing guitars, and he's, they're just you know, twanging away on the guitars. And, and he's playing for Todd, and Todd's you know, doing his little bebop thing he does, starts singing Amazing Grace like he does. He'll just start going out straight. Oh, amazing grace. I watched him do it. I go, what is he doing? He's kind of like Otis. Some of you were here last night. I go, what are you doing now, Todd? I'm sure glad I don't have to do that stuff. But you get around and more of that stuff starts to happen. And so the guy's in there playing away, and he goes, hey, do you like that guitar? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I'm going to buy you a guitar. He's going, the guy starts crying, no, no you're not going to buy me a guitar. I don't even know you. He goes, you probably want to preach at me, don't you? And he goes, no. This is the good news. He goes, you're not going to preach to me? He goes, he said, this is the good news. And then the Lord speaks to him and says, see that guitar in the wall? He tells Todd, he said, I want you to buy him that one. He goes, you like that guitar? He said, but God wants me to buy you that one. The guy goes, no way. That's the most expensive guitar in the whole thing. I said, I'm going to buy it for you. He goes, you probably want to preach at me, don't you? He goes, no. He bought the guy a guitar. The guy starts weeping. Calls his girlfriend. Oh, you're not going to believe this dude I met in the store with his long hair. and He bought me the Fender. Da, 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 da. See, what happens when the world sees the good news of who Jesus really is? It's amazing. The world is longing for the church to release and see the goodness of God and begin to receive it. He caused us to repent so that we could receive his goodness, so we could receive his goodness. It says in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? 
long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Once you begin to see the goodness of God, you begin to receive it, and it's a fruit that begins to grow in your life. You and I should be growing in the goodness of God. I have people say, oh, I remember 34 years ago, God was so good to me when he got saved my soul. I, I, I'm glad I got saved 44 years ago too. But I've come a long ways in 44 years. got a long ways to go. But I, I, I'm experiencing his goodness today. I'm experiencing his goodness every week. I'm experiencing his goodness everywhere. His goodness is sneaking up on me all around. I'm overwhelmed with the goodness of God. I could sit here for the next three or four months and tell you all the good things God's done in my life since he took me on this journey. You know what? People think you're on drugs. People say, what's the matter with him? I said, I've been overwhelmed by the goodness of God. I've been overtaken by the goodness of God. I've been overcome by the goodness of God. And we allow the fruit to grow in. It says in Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know what the church should be doing to evil? We should be overcoming it by goodness. We think we overcome it by telling everybody how, oh, it's really, I have people say, Pastor, it's really evil around this area. You don't understand the darkness that's in this area. I said, oh, you don't understand the goodness of God that's just about to show up. You know, the church has overwhelmed people with how dark darkness is. Are you impressed with how, I'm really impressed with God's goodness. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed with the one who overcame and wears the victor's crown. Every high thing will come down. Every stronghold will be broken. He wears the victor's crown. He overcomes. He overcomes. Right? We sing that, and then we walk outside. Oh, man, the, you should see all the darkness in our community and how evil it is. I said, guess what? This is a perfect place for God's goodness to show up. You overcome evil by doing good. You start to live the goodness message. We started to live the goodness message. I, God told me I could start a goodness army. I started a goodness army. He said, you know what? William Booth started a salvation army. You can start a goodness army. I have shirts that say the goodness army. And when I started sharing the goodness message, I said, Sonny, you're going to come. I'm going to give a short 15-minute message on goodness. And then we're going to have the 1,200 people in our church there this Sunday morning. We're going to send them all, kids and everybody. And we're going to release goodness right before Christmas. You pray this week and ask God how you're supposed to release goodness. You know what one man did? He got out of his wallet, went over to Walmart. He said, excuse me, sir. And they had all their Christmas groceries. He said, excuse me. And he ran his card through. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, I'm part of the goodness army that we just bought your groceries. He goes, no. He said, where's your groceries? He goes, I don't have any. He goes, what? He goes, what do you mean? This is, this is mine. He goes, no, no, no. I know it's yours, but I just bought it for you. He goes, I don't know you. He goes, I'm, well, I'm part of the goodness army. He started crying. And then he walked down the next register. He said, is all this your stuff? And they said, yeah. And he, goes, he took his card out and went, <laughs> They said, what are you doing? And one of the cashiers, by the time he got to the third row, one of the cashiers says, I've only seen stuff like this on television. <laughs> he bought a bunch of people's groceries. They started weeping. We all went around, my wife and I, we, we walked through the store at Walmart, and we had some money the Lord told us to put aside, and we were walking around, look, and we saw this pregnant gal, and she was, uh, looked like an American. She was white. Her husband was Filipino. He came walking up, and she was carrying a baby, and she was pregnant again. And, and we said, 
are, are you buying this stuff? And she had her arms full of stuff. She said, yeah. And I heard her husband say, well, we don't really have enough to buy that. And we bought all their stuff for them. I handed them money. And I said, hi, we're, we're part of the goodness army. They said, the goodness army? I said, yes, it's an army that God started. We're part of the goodness army. And we just want to buy your stuff. And she goes, she started crying right in the store. She goes, uh, six months, I said, can I hug you? And she's, got, and she's pregnant, got a baby in her hand. And my wife's hugging her like this. And we started to pray blessing over. They sat there for five or ten minutes. And story after story went on. Like people came to the church. And my favorite one was God so good. One of the gals said, man, I tried to go out and talk to somebody, do something for somebody. I couldn't find anybody. I went home and I felt like a terrible failure. We had people come back that night. We couldn't even give all the reports of the stuff that happened. Because we embodied the message of goodness. Because we'd seen it, now we're receiving it, and then we could begin to release it. And she said, I, I, I felt like a failure, and you know, I, I went home a Sunday night, and I heard all these testimonies. I thought, man, I'm the, probably the only one in the church that failed. I'm, I thought I was part of the goodness army, and I'm, I'm like a loser private or something that you know, can't do it right. And she goes to work the next day. She'd been praying for five gals at work to come to church and get saved. And they're having their coffee break, and she's feeling like, you know, just terrible. Still having like, oh, man, I failed yesterday. You know, God help me. And she walks in the coffee break. She goes, hey, one gal said, have any of you girls heard about a goodness army? These people like showed up at the grocery store and bought all my groceries. And they're, they're, they said they were like the goodness armies. Anybody heard of the goodness army? She goes, that's my church. That's my church. And she was trying to think of a way. And she said, God, you're so good. You had a bigger plan than I did. God's way gooder than you think he is. Even when you think you failed, God's got something up his sleeve. He's got big goodness sleeves. And he pulls things out of his goodness sleeves when you're not looking. He's Jehovah Sneaky too. Did you know that? <laughs> and we heard reports for weeks after that they released goodness. So we said, let's release goodness into our community. Went to the worst high school in our area. There's about every national, even known to mankind, people get shot. We live in a real fun area. We, we live in a place where goodness is really needed. Who wants to live in a place where there's no darkness? We've been sent out to reach people. So we went to the high school and said, we want to mentor, we want to mentor students. We're part of the goodness army. They said, yeah, we need all kinds. And the teachers started to notice, who are all these adults that are helping these kids? Because every one of these kids that gets an adult from, from that church down the street, they're all changing. We're mentoring them. We're tutoring them in history and English. It's easier to sit in the church and say, oh, the world's so dark. Oh, it's so bad out there. What's happening to our society? What's happening to young people today? There's no people full of goodness that are touching their lives. They say, could you send more people? Our African-American uh, youth, uh, young adult pastor has gone to the football team, and now they have leadership training. Guess what he uses for leadership? He uses Bible verses without addresses. Guess where the high school football team comes to have their meal every week? At our church. See, when you've seen the goodness of God, and receive the goodness of God, then you can begin to release the goodness of God. It's amazing what God does. Second Chronicles 6.41 says, Now therefore arise, O Lord God, from your resting place, you and uh, the ark of your uh, rest and your strength. It says, Let your priests be satisfied and be clothed with salvation, and let your saints rejoice in goodness. 
And you start to rejoice in the goodness of God. And you start to carry the goodness. You start to say, how can I bring goodness in, God's goodness into this situation? It says in Acts 10, 38, as he was in the house of Cornelius, Peter preaching, Dr. Luke records and writes how Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power and went about doing good. He was a goody-goody and healed all those who were oppressed of the devil. And see, when you begin to see the goodness of God and begin to focus on the goodness of God, you begin to receive the goodness of God, and then you have something to release to people. And then God gives you ways, simple acts of obedience, where you start to, start to shift your whole community. My son's met with the mayor. We've had things at city councils where we've gone and prayed. We've had city council people come to our man prayer group, and they, they asked for us. They said, we heard, heard that you have power in this church, and we need, we need wisdom in the city. Would you pray over us? We had a Mormon elder show up recently with his son. and He said, I'm a Mormon elder. He said, my son's really sick, and everybody in the community knows that your church, that people get healed when they come here. He said, will you pray for a Mormon elder's son because we don't believe in this stuff, and I'm desperate. I'll do anything. I said, we'll pray for anybody that wants prayer. It would be our honor and our privilege to pray for you. We had a time when they were sending people from Children's Orthopedic Hospital to get healed because incurable diseases were vanishing off people's lives, things that doctors said they couldn't cure. And see, when you begin to see the goodness of God, when you begin to receive the goodness of God, you begin to release. And for too long, the world has just seen us as against this and against that and talking about how evil and how dark everything is. What if the problem is that the church is not seeing the goodness of God, receiving the goodness of God, and releasing the goodness of God? See, Jesus walked in the midst of evil and he released goodness. And boy, you begin to see it and you start to see it everywhere. You begin to get overwhelmed how good God is. The things that he will do, the lengths that he will go to to minister to people, to help people, to encourage people. It says in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see, church, how good the Lord is. Oh, my goodness, he tastes good. There's nothing better than a steak on a grill. I know it's dangerous to talk about this time. You just talk about it. And, you know, when you begin to tell people how good God is, we usually tell them how bad they are rather than how good God is. And you begin to see God's goodness. You begin to receive it. And you begin to taste his goodness. I'll tell you, nothing else tastes very good. You lose your appetite for that other stuff. There's people, oh, well, you know, oh, this is so dark. This area is never going to change. And, you know, yeah, you keep saying that and it'll never change. But you start to say, you know what? I believe that I'm going to see the goodness of God in New Glasgow. I believe God's going to overwhelm Nova Scotia. I believe that God sent us here for a purpose. And I don't care how dark it is. I, I, I believe this is a target for God to show up in his goodness. And I've started a goodness army. Now I've got 53 business people in a better blessing business group. And we're saying we're going to dedicate your businesses to see the goodness of God released through your business. And it's crazy the stuff that started to happen. You know what we did? We got a crazy idea. We said we're going to, we're going to ask you to come with your business license and we're going to put it in a Ziploc bag and we're going to baptize it. We're going to have a baptism service for your, for your business. We're going to put it to the death of God of, of mammon and we're going to resurrect it to the God of the kingdom. And I can spend the next week telling you the stories of what happened when people did that. You know what happened to one man? 
When he came to my church, he was a womanizer. He was a drug addict, alcoholic. He was living with a girl who wasn't his wife. He got to marry him. That was fun later on. He had one machine, a machine shop. He was driving his Harley to work down by the Boeing plant, drove by our church. He'd come once. He said, oh, I'm Catholic. They're a bunch of Pentecostal crazy people. I'm not going there. He heard a voice say, you're, you're supposed to be in that church. He came. He got saved. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. He came in my office shortly after and said, Pastor Dan, uh, I need to tell you I've got, I've got this business. And he said, uh, I want to I sell it because my business partner is a Christian. He doesn't do any work. I do all the work. And we could sell it you know, for a million, uh, $2 million, and I'd get a million dollars. I'd be a millionaire, and I could quit. So what do you think about that? And I said, let me pray about it. So we met again, and I said, uh, Andy. I said, uh, what if you waited a year? How much would it be worth? He said, probably about $4 million. I said, what if you waited two years? He said, oh, probably about $6 million. What if you waited three, three or four years? Oh, probably about $8 million. I said, I don't know about you, but I'd put up with somebody obnoxious for three years to make like $7 million. He goes, yeah, you're right, Pastor. I think I'll do that. Make a long story short, he waited four years. He sold his business for $15 million. You know what his heart was? Was to rehabilitate alcoholics and drug addicts. So he got seven and a half million dollars. I remember the day he called me over. <laughs> my wife and I were celebrating my daughter graduating from community college, and he said, Pastor, you need to come over. I said, Well, we're celebrating. He said, Well, it's on the way to your home. Just come by it. Your daughter can come too. And he was standing there with his wife that I'd married, and he's holding this envelope in his hand. He's crying. He said, Pastor, I want to thank Jesus for what he's done in my life since I met you. I want to thank you and your wife for how you poured into my life. I want to thank the church. And he goes, here's our first tithe check installment. Here's a check for $534,800. It's not about the money. He began to get a picture of goodness. God grew his company to 110 employees. It got so crazy. One of the largest businesses, in, when he said, I said, you no longer go to work to say how much money I can make. You go to work to say, Lord, how can your kingdom come today? How can I release your goodness? He started to care for his employees. Then he had 110 employees. He sold his business to a British conglomerate. He talked about it. We prayed about it. He kept the buildings. So now they lease the buildings from him. So he makes $100,000 a year from the buildings that he no longer has his company in. They now pay him to lease the buildings that he had. In the middle of this all happening, one of the largest companies decided they didn't want to manufacture this product, so they called him and said, we want to give you our machines and our employees. He said, how much will it cost me? He said, nothing, just make the parts. So he got all these hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of machines, and all he had to do was pay the employees to make it, and he made money off it. And all these kind of things started to happen with our business people. And they started to realize, you know what, my business is a ministry. What I'm doing, the kingdom can come through. I can hire people. I can bless people. I can, I can change the community. And we empower them to be kingdom people who release the goodness of God. I say you're part of the goodness army. One of our men owns Expresso Elegance. So he goes around and puts on private coffee parties. Guess who he puts on private coffee parties for? Jeff Bezos. Bill Gates. the former owner of Starbucks or the former CEO, Howard Schultz, the Microsoft team, he sits in all their meetings and makes lattes. One day he couldn't go to church during Christmas a couple of years ago and he looks at me and said, Pastor, I won't be there for the Christmas service. I said, oh really, why not? 
said, well, I've got a tough assignment. He says, I'm going over to Bellevue to the ice skating rink. Melinda Gates and her sister have rented the rink for themselves, and their daughters are going to be there ice skating all day, and I have to make them lattes and hot chocolates. He said, tough assignment. He's got a kingdom mission. He goes, he puts on sometimes three or 400 parties in homes like that. And the contacts he has with people that I'll probably never even meet. He has influence through a coffee company. See, God's way gooder than we think he is. And he'll use his people wherever they are. And he's put a desire in your heart. He wants to show how, how the goodness of God can come through what you're doing. And you should see the joy of the people when they realize they're working and their business is doing something for the kingdom. Another man will go to Columbia. He's got an incredible finishing. He's finished all the people's houses. I can't tell you whose house they are. So you know whose house it is. Some of those same people I just talked about. He's done all their painting, woodwork, all their stuff. He travels. He's been one of my best friends. He, he goes on mission trips and prays. And he's a warrior. He's the kind of guy you'd want to have in a street fight. First time I went to India, he told my daughter, if anybody tries to touch your dad, I'll kill him. She goes, Dad, it was scary. I said, the scary part is he really means it. and He would do that. That's the scary part. Now he's going, he's preaching the gospel, but he's got a business. He's affecting people. Another man is a private Learjet. He flies one of the people in Seattle. I can't tell you who it is because I promised him I wouldn't. But you know what? They hired him to fly his Learjet around. He even gets paid when he doesn't work. He stays at home and they pay him. He's got a two-year contract. He's flying this man and his family all over the world. They're members of our congregation. I said, there's a reason God placed you there. You'll have more influence with them than I will. And see, you begin to empower people to realize that God can be good to every person in every walk of life, that they've been equipped, they've been empowered to bring the kingdom everywhere they go. Are you ready to see the goodness of God in a new way? Are you ready to receive the goodness of God? Are you ready to release? The, what, if, what if the church here would begin to release goodness all over New Glasgow? What would begin to happen? This community would be turned upside down. It's what they did in Redding, California. Do you know they supplied 35,000 volunteers to the city last year? Do you know that when they were going to shut down the community auditorium, the church gave the city half a million dollars? Remember the USS Abraham Lincoln when it came back to port? Back in the war in the United States? It's stationed in Everett. And we're, we're, we're driving down Highway 99, my wife and I, there's a place called Honey's that got tore down. It was, a, it was a, a dance place where women didn't wear everything they should wear. I'm driving down the street. My wife said, did you see the sign on Honey's? I said, sweetheart, I wasn't looking at Honey's. She said, well, wel it said, welcome to the USS Abraham troops of the Abraham Lincoln. She goes, what's the church doing about that? I said, about what? She said, about the Abraham Lincoln. I said, you mean our church or the, the church? She goes, either. I said, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, not nothing I know of. And she started to pray and said, God, we need to do something for the troops. And she started, she started, pastor's wife just starts praying and says, what can we do? God, we, we, we need to show goodness to these people that are coming home. And, and she started to pray and she said, you know, I was praying today and I was thinking, my sister was the vice president at um, Macy's and she said that once the, uh, the Blue Angels, they took her up in an F-16 because she put on this thing for the Navy and and, I, and she knew some guy that's like one of the admirals or something, or knew some guy, and maybe she can make me in contact with somebody. I said, sweetheart, that's like crazy. The USS Abraham Lincoln, it's red alert. Nobody's going to be able to see him. And, and she came back the next day and said, I'm so excited. I think God answered my prayer. Uh, 
this lady called me and said that I could go on the, on the, bring people on the base. I go, sweetheart, how, 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 you can't bring people on the base. They don't even know when they're coming home. It's, it's red alert. Military personnel can't even go on the base. She goes, this lady said I could come. So we better find out who this lady is. So she called back and the lady, she said, she told me, honey, I'm the admiral's wife of the four bases. You can do anything you want. And I go, I don't think you can do that. They don't even know. The news is saying they don't even know when it's coming back. She goes, she told me when it's coming back. I go, that's classified top secret information. She goes, I know, but she told me. God's really good. And so she started to plan a wedding shower for all of the, all of the wives of the military people. And it went all throughout the whole city, out the whole region. People started giving money and food and clothes and free dinners and free nights for them to stay. And, and it was like they won the prices right like five times each. Good Morning America called our church and said, we'd like to come and film it. You know what we said? It's not about publicity. We don't want to film it. It's about the families. We don't want to be on TV. It's about God's goodness. And they came back, and, and there, you know, there were so many things that were given, we had to tell people to quit bringing stuff. It was kind of like a Moses offering. Wouldn't we like to have one Moses offering? Uh, I'm sorry, but we have so much we can't take anymore. See, when God's goodness starts to overwhelm you, it starts to overwhelm you. So we went to businesses, and we said, would you like to give a, give a certificate or something? If they couldn't give a certificate, if they couldn't give like a gift certificate, you know what we did? We said the church will buy a certificate from you and then we'll give it to, to the Navy people on your behalf. You should have seen the looks on their face. The church is going to give us money? I said, yeah, we're going to give you We're going to buy a $50 gift certificate to your restaurant and we're going to give it in your name. But, but you bought it. I said, we know. Why are you doing that? I said, because God's so good. And you're a business in our community and we love you. People, grown men started crying. They go, the church has never given me anything. I said, well, I got good news. We got a goodness army, and it's God's church. It's all the churches around there. We're going to love you, and you're going to see something different. They started to weep. They started to cry. And they showed up, and we just, we just blessed all the families. What would happen if New Glasgow Christian Fellowship started a branch of the goodness army on your own? What if you began to say, God, how can we release goodness? How can we be like Jesus and be anointed with the Holy Ghost and power and go about and release the goodness of God in the schools, in the workplace, in the marketplace? I tell you, I'm still on a journey. Everywhere I go, God's releasing his goodness. He keeps overwhelming me. This morning, he spoke to me before the message, and then I heard that song. I'd really like the worship team to come up if they could, if that's all right. It's all right for the worship team to come up. This is what he spoke to me when I was praying this morning in my... In my hotel room. He said, I want you to tell Glasgow Christian Fellowship they're going to be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. They're going to be overtaken by the goodness of God. And they're going to be overcoming by the goodness of God. And when I heard overcoming, that was before I, don't, I didn't know what the songs were, and then I heard this thing about overcoming. Are you a candidate to see the goodness of God in a whole new way? I'll tell you, I... I just started to study every scripture on goodness and bathe myself in it. I was overwhelmed with how good God is. He's way gooder than you think. Would you look at somebody and tell them God's way gooder than you think he is? Look at somebody and tell them that. He's way gooder than you think he is. And Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, and he went about doing good, and he healed all who were oppressed of the devil. And when you receive that goodness message, you begin to release it to people. You begin to share it. 
People get overwhelmed. Amen. Would you sing that song? Could we sing that song? Overcome? Victor's Crown, yeah. Isn't that awesome? And if you're a candidate for the goodness of God, I'd encourage you to, as you worship, to say, Lord, over, I want to be overcome with your goodness. I want to be overwhelmed with your goodness. I want to be overtaken by your goodness. And I've watched people take this message, and I've watched it around the world. Different groups have taken it, and what's happened is they've started goodness armies. They've started goodness coalitions. And what's happened is God's goodness starts to overcome all the evil and darkness. You know what happens? Some of the most evil and dark people in the community start to get overwhelmed by the love of God. Drug addicts get delivered. People that were heroin addicts become upstanding citizens. We did it the first time, and Todd White came with us, and we had 70 people baptized in water spontaneously. The baptism waters got so dirty, we had to change the water. It was embarrassing. It was like mud in the baptism tank. I'll never forget one of the boys that was reached when we released goodness. It's midnight on a Friday night. He's in the baptism waters tank. He was out shopping, and they found him. He called his grandma and his grandpa. His grandma and grandpa show up in their pajamas with overcoats on. And they're standing outside the baptism tank, and he's looking at me. He said, I, I met these people from the goodness army. I met these people from the church. And he said, Grandma and Grandpa, I've been an evil, wicked grandson, and I want you to know I'm repenting of everything I've, did, I've done. And the reason I woke you up and called you to come is I wanted you to see how good God was, and that your prayers and all that you did is, is why I'm here tonight. And I've seen that over and over. They just sat and wept together, and we wept with them. Another girl that she got, her mother, grandmother had a torn rotocuff, couldn't lift her hands, couldn't do hardly anything, and she came to the church and we prayed for her. God instantly healed her rotocuff. The next week, her, her, her granddaughter's in the baptismal tank, and they said, why did you get saved? They said, when I saw my grandma lift the laundry up for the first time in like numbers of years and put it on the shelf, I said, grandma, you can't do that. She said, I went to a church and I got healed. Jesus touched me. She said, well, there was a God that loved my grandma enough to do that. I wanted to know that God. And I prayed with her, and now I'm here getting here baptized because I want to be a follower of the Jesus that healed her. And see, when people see the goodness of God, they can receive it. And sadly, what they've mostly seen from us is people that are angry, people that are against the world, people that are against this and against that. There's a time to be against those things. But there's a time always to release the goodness of God. And Jesus walked into the middle of evil. He released his goodness everywhere that he went.